Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Hello, sir. That makes this stuff you should know, right? That's right, unless I'm in the wrong place. You're a little under the weather still, aren't you? Just as sick as I was when we recorded Fainting Goats. Yes. Not not ten minutes ago. Yes. So, Chuck hasn't been sick all week. No. It'll probably just be a couple days. It'll clear up. You have a robust um, immune system for a man of your age. <laughs> Remember when you were actually sick for weeks and weeks? Uh, yeah. Like in year one? Yeah. And I think like 18 podcasts Man. were screwed up because I was just, I could not get better. I thought you, those, those are the unhealthy days, so you lead a much healthier lifestyle. Much, though. much healthier. Yeah. Yes. You're not, we don't need to check you into the sanitarium like we had to back in the day. <laughs> I'm okay now. I'm not, I've gotten over my consumption. Hopefully you will very soon. I have right. all faith that you will, right? So, Chuck, while we're waiting for you to recuperate, I have, uh, I, I want to talk to you about technology. Okay. Specifically, some of the oldest technology known to man, clothes. Clothing is technology. Yeah. So wouldn't think so, but it is. Chuck, probably more than anything else, the thing that defines humanity is our desire and our ceaseless striving to become more than more than human. Yeah. To, to take ourselves out of the rat race uh-huh. of evolution, the, the crapshoot of genetics. Yeah. And to basically take hold of our biological destiny, right? Yeah, we sort of did that with clothing many, many, many years ago. Yeah, so that's that's what we do. We use technology to do that, and clothing was one of the earliest ones because we are a subtropical species, humans are. Yeah, we're not supposed to live in really cold places. Right, but we do. We've managed to migrate from you know somewhere near the equator uh-huh. uh, where we can run around without clothes. Yeah. To, yeah, <laughs> those are what they call the sexy epoch. That's right. Um, to some colder climes. Thanks to clothes. Uh-huh. Along the way, we um, figured out that we could use hammers and or uh, use stones for hammers uh-huh. and other tools. Sure. Um, and we figured out that we could build our, our own shelters. Uh-huh. Make things warm on the inside. Right. Mm-hmm. So eventually, over the years, we figured out uh, enclosed heating systems. And then now, thanks to all this, we have Swedes, right? And Volvos. And Volvos. Thanks to the Swedes. So the technology of Volvos are a direct result of the technology of clothes. Wow. In a weird way, you're exactly right. But somewhere along the line, there was a branch of that uh, linear development of thought and talent, Uh of technology, all the way to enclosed shelters that house Swedes, where somebody figured out that you can make an enclosed shelter out of blocks of hard-packed snow. Uh Uh-huh. And we know those today as igloos. Yes. And do you know what the Inuit call the igloo? Igloos. Igloos. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a trick question. That's a good, that's a great, that was a good question though, because, uh, yeah, it's an Inuit word for what? Uh, I believe it means snow house. So the Inuits are just among like the most pragmatic speakers on the uh, planet. Yeah, very cut and dry. Yeah. They call their snow houses igloos, right? That just makes utter sense. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Canadian tundra, Josh, and they, uh, you know, teepees and castles and other things that were being built were all well and good if you're in, in Europe or if you are in a warmer climate, let's say like the Florida Panhandle. Right. You don't have to dig teepee. through 50 feet of ice to quarry stone. Exactly. But if you're on the Canadian tundra, those aren't really good options. So uh, 
snow, hard packed snow, became the the masonry, if you will, uh, for the Inuits. Right. Let's and go it, ahead and get to this Eskimo thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eskimo and Inuit are one and the same. They're yes. two different terms for the same group of people. Yes. These people who um, inhabit uh, areas spanning from Siberia to uh, Alaska, Canada, Greenland, um, a 3,500-mile range, right? Yeah. Which makes them the most widely spread uh, Aboriginal group on the planet. Yeah, an Aboriginal, for those of you who don't know, doesn't just refer to the Aborigines in Australia. It's any... Um, any, any, uh, any indigenous? any indigenous, the first people in that region. Yes. Or would be Aboriginal. Yes. Okay. That was the ones clumsy. who get pushed around by the Europeans. Exactly. Aboriginal. Yes. Um, and if you want to insult an Inuit, you just go ahead and call them an Eskimo. Yeah. Apparently it's a derogatory term because it was a term that the white man gave. Uh, I think it was another Inuit. tribe. Oh, was it? Yeah. But it was an outside group. I always just figure it's the white man. No. <laughs> Yeah, so it was another group named them Eskimos, which um, was thought to mean uh, eaters of raw meat. Or raw blubber is what I've heard as well. Raw blubber. But yeah. then they later thought that Eskimo meant to, to net snowshoes, to build snowshoes. And linguists can't prove it, although that's kind of what they think. But in the glory that is language, things can go from their original meaning to a popular meaning, and its old meaning is meaningless. Yeah. It's only what people think or use, right? Right. Which is how LOL is a word. That's right. Lol. So uh, we're going to refer them uh, refer to them as Inuit because that's the that's the way to do it. We don't want to alienate anybody. No, especially the Inuit because they are tough people. Yeah. And they have survived for many, many, many years in uh, conditions that don't seem to be survivable, especially way back in the day. But they made it through. Right. And they're thriving, actually, too. We'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. But, um, Chuck, a couple of other facts about these, uh, the Inuit, which means the people, right? <laughs> so they call their snow houses igloos. Uh-huh. They call themselves the people. Right. It's just, it's very spare. I could have been a good Inuit, I think. I think so, too. Keep things simple. Fall down goat. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, they don't, they, they have, uh, never really established a formal system of government. It's the family is generally the, the center of the community. Yeah. Um, the. No class system? Males are the figureheads. Yeah. No class system is pretty cool. Um, and basically, if you're a boy, you're a hunter. Yeah. If you're a girl, you marry a hunter and hopefully produce more boy hunters because the, everyone's equally responsible for coming up with food. Yeah. And I imagine every family, um, is, 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 that's what that means. Every family is equally responsible for contributing to the food in the community. Yeah, yeah. So the more boy hunters, the better. So, um, fascinating group. Yeah. And they have never lived in igloos as permanent shelters, huh? Well, yeah. And it's important that you mention hunting because clearly if you are living on the Arctic tundra, there's one thing that you're probably not going to have, and that is a vegetable garden. Yeah. So they are very carnivorous, uh, as a, as a people. They do a lot of hunting. They did a lot of hunting of seals. Yes. Which is probably, they were called... Blubber blubber, eaters. Yeah, blubber eaters. Mm -hmm. And uh, where there are seals is going to be a lot of ice. Sea ice. Yeah. Uh, Which leads to another peculiar uh, trait of the Inuit. Peculiar meaning unique or specific. Yes. Um, Kayak angst. 
Remember we talked about that on the webcast like a long time ago? I don't remember that. And everything was cut off in the middle of it, and like it was Guy Kawasaki Day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I wrote a blog post <laughs> on it saying, like as I was saying before I was cut off, kayak angst is this, um, it's, a, it's a condition specific only to the Inuit, where in Inuit males too, where you become afraid of going out to hunt seals in a kayak usually following an episode where you've been up for several days the sun very rarely uh, sets because it's summertime right. which is the only time you or when when you can hunt seal really okay um so you have a loss of sense of time mm-hmm. you're completely without any uh, landmark or reference point it's all just horizon and sea ice right so you're without uh, no bearings. Any, any no bearings uh-huh. no sense of time and you doze off and wake up and you have no idea how long you've been asleep, how far you've drifted, and you may be out there drifting for the rest of your life. And you finally do find land again. You make your way back to your community, and you become terrified at the thought of getting back in a kayak again. Really? Kayak angst. Wow. Yeah, specific only to the Inuit. I don't remember that at all. That's so weird. Well, you should read my blog post. I usually have an inkling, but that, that one doesn't ring true for me. So... Uh, the Inuit did not live in igloos, Josh, as he said. That is not true. People might think that um, Inuit tribes just had igloos all over the place, and that was their house. Mm-hmm. They were really hunting shelters. Yeah, it's like a hunting camp, like um, Robin Williams' uh, fishing camp in Insomnia. Yeah. He Except all, he made of snow. nutty because of no sleep and too yeah. much sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Al Pacino was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was Christopher Nolan, you know. Yeah, he's just amazing. Stuff. Yeah. Although you had inception problems, right? It was really just Ellen Page. Yeah. Get her out of the movie and you're okay? It wasn't even her necessarily, although I'm not a big fan of hers. Uh-huh. Um, I think she's a, she's a good actress and everything, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forgive her for Juno. But um, it, it was more uh, her character. Like, clearly, her right. character was put in <laughs> afterward because the producers were like, or the studio execs were like, wait, what is going on? So they wrote in Ellen Page's character to explain yeah. everything to everybody at each step <laughs> so that you could keep up with this really dense movie. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> you love getting me wound up I about do. that. I just say too. the word Inception around Josh. <laughs> so, uh, all right, where were we? The, uh, the Inuits, they uh, were hunting camps, like we said. Yeah. And uh, they're still around today, and they are booming. Um, it, not igloos, actually. They're, <laughs> they're not quite as common. Yeah. But uh, they did a study. Who was this? The Human Rights Program? In Canada. In Canada. Department of Canadian Heritage said that there could be as many as 68,400 Inuit in Canada by 2017. Mm -hmm. And in 1996, there were only 41,000 in change. So, um, yeah, they're they're booming as a people. Pretty cool. So they're thriving. Igloos were never um, permanent shelters or structures for them. And um, they had kayak angst. One other thing, too. Eskimo kisses? Yeah, what's the deal there? So, you know, it's like rubbing the tip of your nose? Yeah, it's cute. It is. It's not entirely accurate, though. I'm sure. But they did kiss with their noses. Oh, really? Yeah. But it was, um, you would put your your nostrils to the face, usually around, like, the cheeks right below the eyes. Uh Uh-huh. You would put your nose to a loved one's face like that and inhale deeply. And that was, that's the real Eskimo kiss or Inuit kiss. Interesting. Isn't it? Yeah, they had it wrong, though. <laughs> you knew how to write? The French. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they figured it out, and everyone was like, oh, wait, yeah, this, well, this yeah. is the way to kiss. Yeah. Forget that no stuff. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about igloos for a second. Okay. 
They're built out of blocks of ice. They are not built out of the kind of snow that you probably have in your front yard in Ohio in the wintertime. It depends on how wet it was. Yeah, although my, thunder uh, snow? my cousin-in-law, Alex Schreiber, mm-hmm. uh, Ohio State University student, built an igloo last winter. <laughs> he and his buddies. Nice. Check this thing out, dude. Nice. Right? Wow. I should post this. I'm going to give no, you permission to, to post, post this. this. What There's is it? A, it's like seven feet tall at least. Oh, it's huge. And it's it's like really well constructed. He's yeah. sitting on top of it. Yeah. And it's not caving in. If I built an igloo, it, you know, it wouldn't last very long. Pretty that, cool, though, huh? That is a backyard in Ohio, too. Yeah. Nice gray day. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, leafless trees everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He and his buddies, you know, clearly had enough boredom and time to build this That's awesome very igloo. Cool. So. Alex Schreiber, huh? Yeah. Awesome. Is he listening right now? I hope so. Yeah. He listens. Okay. And I told I gave him a heads up. Yeah, we have to post that. He's going to write back and say, don't mention the igloo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they always? Huh? Yeah. So, Chuck, even though, like, um, say, uh, a hunting expedition went out and, or even a single hunter went out uh, and built an igloo, um, that, that it wasn't just the single igloo every single time. Right. Sometimes they lived in them for longer periods. Yeah. Sometimes more people lived in a group and they would actually um, create compounds out of igloos by, you know, melding them together, yeah. creating walkways, breezeways. It's pretty cool. And there were some that um, basically igloo cities that came about where you, you the, I think they would have like halls for banquets and yeah. feasts and, and like balls and stuff like like Inuit balls uh-huh. held in, um, uh, well, a, an igloo. A big, a large igloo. Pretty cool though. I didn't know this. I had no idea. I always pictured just the, the single, and I also thought they lived in them. So this was, this one, I was, this was sort of like the totem poles. We should probably also, while we're just like busting things left and right, uh-huh. um, Chili Willie. Uh, a helpful yeah. little penguin from the, he was so cute. I went and watched one to refresh my memory. Chilly Willy the ding dong. He was very cute. He uh-huh. wasn't, I, I, I thought he would be mischievous or I remembered him being mischievous like Woody Woodpecker. Right. Who was a jerk. Right. Um, no, Chilly Willy was a very helpful, cute, sweet little baby penguin. Uh-huh. Um, and his little igloo, the typical igloo that you think of, a dome with like a rounded entryway, mm-hmm. pretty much dead on. Yeah, but it looks like your, uh, your cousin. They don't, uh, cousin Matthew? in law. Cousin in law. It looks like he, uh, he knows, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, Alex, yeah. not Matthew. <laughs> no, I said nephew. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, there's no penguins in Alaska either, so. That's the other problem as well. Chili Willie was not accurate. Right. But cute nonetheless. No, but the igloo he built was accurate. That's right. Yeah. And Josh, since we're talking igloos, um, here's, here's what a, a naive person might say. Why in the world, if you're freezing cold out in Alaska, would you build a room out of ice and snow to sit in? Yeah. How warm could that be? It would take somebody pretty naive to say something like that, though, huh? You know how warm it could be? Up to 40 degrees warmer than it is outside of the igloo, buddy. Yes. And why, Chuck? Where are these furnaces coming from? Well, your body, for one. Yep. Human body is a pretty good furnace. Yep. And um, when you cut down the wind chill, mm-hmm. you're going to take a big bite out of the cold. You put a couple of warm Inuit bodies in there, mm-hmm. and imagine these are big, tough dudes anyway. They're probably just like exuding warmth. That'll it'll you know radiate out and insulate. The igloo will insulate that heat in. Right. It, it traps the heat. Yeah. So I mean, if you're talking negative forty degrees, that's really cold. But if you could bring that up to zero, yeah, that's still cold, but it ain't like negative forty. Which is the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, good point. So uh, the the snow is an insulator, right? Yeah. It cuts down on the on the wind. Yeah. Um, oh, the melting. That's the other thing too. Yeah. When when you build an igloo, and don't worry, we're about to give you step by step instructions on how to build an igloo. We should get Alex on the horn. He's, yeah, really, he's the pro. Um, at the very least, you can verify it, right? That's right. Um, when you build an igloo, you uh, the sun when it does come out, or if uh-huh. it's out the whole time. Especially during the day, uh, it'll heat up enough possibly to melt some, refreeze at night, which is what you want. Melt, refreeze, mm-hmm. and um, you you your body heat also may melt it from the inside out some. And then when you go out to hunt, it'll refreeze every time. More likely, it's probably the more likely scenario. So this um, thawing and freezing and thawing and freezing uh, basically turns the igloo into this really um, strong and insulated structure. Yeah, and Bada boom, bada bing. You got yourself an insulated place to fish. Yes. Or at least to bunk down while you're fishing. Yeah. So, Josh, are we at the point where we tell people how to build an igloo? I don't think we can delay it any longer. Oh, we can. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned that igloo uh, igloos are kind of out of fashion with the Inuit these days. Yeah, not as common. But they're becoming increasingly common at uh, ski resorts, apparently. Yeah. If you are such a ski junkie... Uh-huh. And that you want to just basically wake up, roll out of bed, put on your skis and start skiing immediately. Yeah. They have igloos usually on the slopes um, that you can rent, igloo villages that you can rent an igloo overnight or for as long as you stay there. Wow. Pretty sweet, huh? Or if you're, you know, feeling squirrely, you can build one yourself. True that. Is that a segue? It is. Uh, if, you're, if you've done it before, like your uh, cousin-in-law, it could take as little as an hour. If you don't know what you're doing, it could take six or more. Yeah, I, I want to ask Alex actually how long it took because the first pictures are are at night, so it clearly took them longer than a few hours. Yes. Like when I saw that someone could build one an hour, I don't know about that. I don't believe that. Well, I'm pretty sure if you were raised as an Inuit uh-huh. and you were, I don't know, in your 20s, I'll bet you could build a, an igloo in an hour. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. And it looks like Alex and his buddies used a uh, a tub like a shallow plastic tub to pack the snow down in Ooh, there that's smart. and form the blocks. Yeah. So the way we're going to teach you how to do it uh, requires a snow shovel, which looks an awful lot like a drywall, or not a snow shovel. It does require a snow shovel, but a snow saw, Yes. which looks an awful lot like a drywall saw. Indeed. Um, and basically, you want to go find some ice. Like you were saying, you normally wouldn't find ice or uh, snow um, that's just fallen. It's going to work for an igloo. Yeah. You want to find um, wettish, hard-packed, like the more solid the better yeah. snow, yes. right? And what do you want to do with that snow, Chuck? Well, you want to use your little saw. You want to cut large blocks. Um, I guess you can vary the size, but they recommend, uh, in the Complete Wilderness Training Guide, they recommend three feet long, mm-hmm. 15 inches high, eight inches deep. Right. So once you cut your blocks, you want to start building, uh, you know, put your foundation in a circle, and start building up that foundation, uh, working your way up as you go, uh, decreasing in size as you go, and you also have to uh, shape it at a, at a slant, obviously, or you're just going to have a uh, ice block tower and not a domed roof. Correct? Yeah, yeah. You um you want to shape it at a slant, like you said, but you also want to make the blocks decrease in size as you get bigger. Decrease, yeah, and, o- and overlap. See, you you did some. Uh, some brickwork, and it's sort of the same principle there. 
Uh, I never built anything that was tall enough that I had to really build it back. To stagger it. And when I did, it was like the pre-made Castle Rock uh-huh. wall Oh yeah, that's designed to set back. Right, right. So it, it didn't require any thought. But yes, if you if you kind of have something that's technically at a slight incline, uh-huh. it, it will provide structure if you can get it to connect right. as a dome, like a Buckminster Fuller's geodesic dome. Exactly. Very super strong structure. So as you're building this and, and you start to make the dome part, it, it should support itself if you've done it right. But you can always use sticks on the inside to support it temporarily until you get the dome complete. And then it's all pressing against each other. Yeah. Uh, and then how do you finish it off with the, with the top? Well, you want to take a, a chunk of ice. You're, what you're going to have is this uh, perfect dome. Some variation of a perfect dome. Right. Um, and there's going to be a, a central hole in the top, right? Yeah, like a little chimney. Yes. Um, but you actually want to plug this one. That's right. This is one chimney you want to plug. Mm-hmm. And you take, uh, you cut another block that's going to be bigger than the hole, and you want to shape it so that it basically fits this, this hole that's left over, um, which should be something like an octagon, maybe, roughly. Yeah, if you're in lucky. that shape. Um, and, uh, you want to fit it in there perfectly. You want to cut it, shape uh-huh. it, put it in there so it's in there perfectly, packed in there. Yeah. Because this is your load bearing keystone, basically. Yes. As long as that thing's intact, everything else should be fine. Right. You lose that, you're in a lot of trouble. Right. Um, and then after that, you're ready to start insulating it, filling in the cracks. You want to shovel snow on top of everything. Uh-huh. And the loose snow is what you want now. You want to work with it. Yeah. And you're going to uh, use some insulated gloves on your hands, Mm -hmm. or else you're going to lose your hands to gangrene in a few days. Frostbite, sure. Um, And you fill in the cracks with the snow. You just kind of smooth it over with your hands so that the snow packs into the cracks. And all of a sudden, this um, separate block... Uh, pattern is lost, and you have a basically a smooth dome. Yes, is what you're going for, right? Yeah, and at, at the end, it's it's a lot harder to try and build a door into your thing. It's easier just to build the dome and then cut your door out. Yes, after it's finished. That's a good point as well. And um, a lot of people, um, a true aficionado of the igloo, would build a little L-shaped entryway tunnel. Yes. Because that'll cut down on on the wind coming in even more. Yeah, because the wind has to turn a corner. That's right. Um, so you cut that hole. In whatever shape you want, whether a key shape um, or a lot of people use like a tent shape, an A-frame. Yeah, yeah. And you then you cover it with blocks. You make like an entryway shelter, basically. And then, like you said, you, you might want to put it as an L. And then you dig a, a hole into the snow so that you can get into it. But basically, you're kind of crawling into the, the entryway, it looked like. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you get inside, and there's a very vital step that you might not think of. Yes. And that is drilling air holes. Yes. Because once you've packed it full of loose snow, and it's um, it's basically mortared, um, and you uh, the, the thing melts and thaws and freezes and thaws and freezes and becomes even more of a solid structure, if you don't have air holes, you'll suffocate and die. Yes, especially if you do something like bring a camp stove or a, a Coleman lantern or that kind of thing yeah. in there. Uh, we don't want to s- see that happen. No, and <laughs> I don't even know that we should recommend... Bringing a stove at all. Yeah, yeah, which this article says you can as long as you have enough air holes for ventilation. I'd just say build it for fun and just keep the noxious fumes out of it yeah. altogether. Yeah, I, I should say that this article also specifically says that it is in no way, shape, or form a... 
meant to be a comprehensive guide to building an igloo. It's just the basic. Yeah. yeah. Th- there are some good how-to photos, though, if you want to check it out, for sure. Yeah, some really good illustrations, right? Uh-huh. As How Stuff Works is lousy with. Right? That's right. So I guess that's it for igloos. They are everything we thought they were mm-hmm. and more. Yeah, you know, a lot of times you think, oh, I bet you it's just our interpretation that you see in the movies right. of all these things. But they really do look just like that, and they're built just like that, and n- not a lot of surprises here. No, which is kind of reassuring in a lot of it ways. It is. Huh? It makes me feel good. Yeah. So uh, I guess if you want to catch up on your Chili Willy, we won't blame you. I found plenty on YouTube. He's adorable. More butter? More butter. More syrup? More syrup. I don't remember that one. That was a good one. Um, no, that's a parquet commercial. No. Are you sure? Yeah, possibly. Okay. Well, um, check out Chili Willy, and be sure to um, go on to HowStuffWorks.com and type in Igloo, I-G-L-O-O, and it is going to bring up a pretty cool um, step-by-step illustrated guide to building your own igloo, sans camp stove with air holes. That's right. Um, I think, did I say handy search bar? You just did. Okay, well, then it's time for listener mail. Yeah, this isn't so much a mail. This is something I wanted to mention a long time ago and kind of forgot. Uh, remember the Life Straw podcast? Yes. You want to do a quick recap of what a Life Straw is? Yeah, so Life Straw is a portable device for purifying water, um, and it's cheap. It's easy to uh, hang on to. It lasts for up to a year. And if you are in a place that's infested with guinea worm, you still need to drink water, but you don't want guinea worm, Life Straw helps. And I think the Rotarians are big into um, getting them all over the world. They are. And so is Stephen Neiman. And uh, Stephen wrote on our Facebook wall after the Life Straw podcast that he was uh, pretty blown away by this thing. And he thought it's a pretty cool invention. And that he and his company, uh, the result of this podcast, their company is going to donate a minimum of 6,000 Life Straws this year in 2011. Nice. 6,000. Not yeah. bad, huh? Yeah. And I asked him if he minded us uh, mentioning this. He said, not at all. Uh, his company is 11th Hour Search in Alexandria, Virginia. It's a very small staffing firm. So it's not like, like even some huge company that's doing this. Right. And uh, he said his wife works in Haiti for the U.S. And that's where he is right now. I don't know if he still is. It was a little while ago. And they like the podcast on Haitian voodoo. And so good on you, brother. Donating 6,000 Life Straws. That is awesome. Yes. So we it's, just wanted to recognize that's more Steven. than awesome. I mean, yeah, that's very cool. That's got to be worth a T-shirt. I would say so, Stephen. We'll you got his email? T-shirt. I don't have his email, but if he wants to write in. Yeah, write in. Send us your email, Stephen, in your T-shirt size. Sorry it took so long to yeah. mention this. It got lost in the shuffle. Well, good going, Chuck. Um, if you are saving the world, we want to know how, because we want to send you a T-shirt if you're saving the world in a verifiable and inspirational manner. In a dramatic fashion. Yeah. You can go onto our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can tweet to us, uh, SYSK Podcast, and you can send us an email, stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?